Today on the Midweek Move, we're going to be talking about the depravity of false teachers and the deception of false teachers. Hello, welcome to the Midweek Move, podcast extension of The Healing Place. This is the podcast where we examine scriptures line by line, verse by verse, and ask ourselves, what is happening and how does it apply to our lives today? Uh, ladies and gentlemen, today we are joined with our lead pastor here at The Healing Place, Pastor Scott Etheridge. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing good. We are destructive doom, depravity, <laughs> deceptions. It sounds like that's, a metal band or something. That's where <laughs> we've been. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. it's been really... Um, You know, I I think that in Christianity, in church, mm-hmm. in Bible studies, we've gotten so um, either too loose with the text or the script mm. or too tight. Mm-hmm. And we haven't just been like, okay, what is happening here? Right. And when we get to things like this, it's almost like the mood changes and we're like, ah, I don't really want to deal with this. Maybe I'm not sure. And I'm like, no, this is like the stuff that we really need to dig in on. We really need to because this is a warning. Yeah. One of the great graces that God has given us is warnings. Yeah. Like those are those are guardrails for us. Those are good things. Those are not bad things. Right. And so um, Please don't take this as, oh man, we're, you know it's going to be just rebuke, rebuke, rebuke. But it's it's just the Lord going. Don't allow yourself to go this this yeah. way through Peter, as as Peter is expressing this to the people that he loves. Mm-hmm. You know, last week we talked about these people that were depraved and these leaders who were deceptive, yet they had still been a part of the people, and they were people that Peter actually loved. Yeah, but they had given themselves over to the enemy. Yeah. And no longer were in love with Jesus. Yeah. He wasn't the Lord of their life. I think so often people look at these scriptures and they go, okay, who can I apply this to? Rather than going, man, how can I avoid being this? That's right. And oh, that's that person. Yeah. That's that. Let me go on blast. Let me go put somebody on blast. And it's like, that's the wrong motive right there. You're, exactly. you're starting in the wrong place. <laughs> you're like, in the wrong category. That's right. You're <laughs> doing exactly what you're despising. Yeah, it, Exactly. And instead of going, you know, how can how can I avoid becoming this? How can I stay in a biblical standard? How can I keep this doing this thing? We need to be asking these questions ourselves so we can grow and be a functional human being. And how can I help those type of people turn their hearts back to the Lord? That's it. How like Lord, use me as an instrument of redemption. Yeah. To redeem that and bring them back to their first love. So often people look at the passage about um, how to deal with conflict with somebody. You know, go one on one, bring it to people, three people, bring them to the church, and they think of it as a roadmap to kicking somebody out of the church or calling somebody out or bring someone to shame. But it's a roadmap to redemption. That's right. It's an opportunity to restore people. And so if you're coming to this passage, we're going, oh. I'm going to have a line-by-line list of what to look for and call out these heretics I see on YouTube all the time. You, you, I can't wait to start a YouTube channel. <laughs> That's not what this is. This is like, <laughs> hey, Lord, how you know this is what I'm looking at. Man, who can I help redeem? And do I need to be redeemed? That's right. Check my own heart. Yeah. Like, how can I avoid mm. the pitfalls that really Peter has laid out? Here's the pitfalls. Yeah. Here's how they got there. Mm-hmm. And here's the result of that. Exactly. So verse 12, we're starting with today. Um, But these, and he's been talking about 
the unclean, they despise authority, they're presumptuous, self-willed, uh, they, they think that they have more authority than they have, mm-hmm. they're really a lawless spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, but these, like natural brute beasts made to be caught and destroyed, mm. man, speak evil of the things they do not understand. Why is it important for you to study to show yourself approved a workman unto God so that you can understand what God is saying? Exactly. They speak evil of the things they do not understand and will utterly perish in their own corruption. Right. And will receive the wages of unrighteousness Mm. as those who count it pleasure to carouse in the daytime. They are spots and blemishes. Uh, uh, Carousing in their own deceptions while they feast with you. Mm. So here he's laying out this, like, this is the extent of these individuals. This isn't just like a person who had a bad day and they, you know, they slipped up to the wrong doctrine or maybe they're, they're working through stuff. This is, they're out there. Yep. You know, they're, they're calling them like mindless animals. Uh, and they're talking about things they don't understand. They're speaking evil. And this isn't a matter of uh, recent, in recent history, there's a, a popular preacher who was quoted as, um, defaming somebody who had came out of a particular doctrinal belief. And he says, well, they just need to be quiet because they don't know what they're talking about. It was kind of done in a poor spirit the way he handled it. We're not talking about that kind of situation. Um, although there's, I, I do feel like there needs to be correction in that situation. But this is a person that's going, they are talking ill of the doctrine of Jesus Christ as Lord. Yep. They are, they are blatant, sinful things that they're promoting, and they're speaking ill of righteousness and holiness. And I think it's interesting that it says those who count it pleasure to carouse in the daytime. Why is that such a big deal? Because in that culture, like, not that carousing was and, and lawlessness and all that was a good thing, but normally that, that was in the shadows. Mm-hmm. It was at nighttime. All of those things. They're saying <coughs> they don't care if you see it or not. Yeah. They, they don't care. They're happily living in open rebellion. That's right. And so uh, even when he says carousing in their own deceptions while they feast with you, like their thoughts, mm. the evil intent of their hearts, while they're feasting with you, they're thinking about how they can deceive. Mm. They're thinking about how they can destroy. Mm. While they're feasting with you, while mm. they're eating with you, they're thinking about how they can overtake someone or something. Mm. Pretty wild. Yeah, absolutely. 14, having eyes full of adultery, not just in a physical sense, but in a spiritual sense as well. We know that most every time in the Word of God where adultery is mentioned, it's not just physical. It is a spiritual, mm-hmm. especially God in Israel in the Old Testament, mm-hmm. where they were committing spiritually a, a spiritual adultery. Right. Um, and it says, having eyes full of adultery that cannot cease from sin, mm. enticing unstable souls. <laughs> you know, these type of people will never look for a mature Christian. Mm-hmm. Ever. They will look for somebody who's in the shallows. They will look for somebody who is who are codependent upon the experiential. Mm-hmm. They will look for those who don't truly know the Word of God. So it says enticing unstable souls. They have a heart trained in covetous practices and are accursed children. Mm. They have a heart that's trained mm-hmm. in covetous. This is a pattern. Yeah. It's something that they've allowed themselves to develop, almost actively pushing it forward. 
and I, I, it's interesting because their condition isn't just that they've done this. They're now cursed. Like they're under God's cursing. Yep. People don't like, like that's a weird thing to say. It's like God doesn't curse. You know, it's like, no, there's a curse that comes upon people when they're outside the will of God. And that's what's taking place here. They're not just having a bad day. They're not just, you know, God's removing his hand for them to go through trial and tribulation. He's like, no, no, this is my judgment coming upon you now. Yep. They have forsaken the right way and gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Baor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. Now, who was Balaam? Go ahead. So Balaam, he was, well, verse 16, he was rebuked in his iniquity and uh, a dumb donkey speaking in a man's voice. So Balaam was a prophet, but he was a prophet who was doing his own thing. He was a prophet who was yep. trying to, on his way actually trying to curse Israel for get, for his personal gain. And he was doing all kinds of terrible things. And he was, he was first warned by the Lord, but it took his own donkey to stop him, to, again, restrain the madness of the prophet. The madness. And it doesn't remove the word prophet. Mm-hmm. That's interesting there, isn't it? That he still it doesn't has, just he still say this guy. Yeah. It's the prophet. Exactly. And it says, you know, speaking with a man's voice restrained the madness of the prophet. But I think it's interesting it said that who loved the wages of unrighteousness, mm. the gain, the natural gain of mm-hmm. unrighteous behavior. Right. Judas with the coins. Mm-hmm. That was the wages of unrighteousness right. until the guilt comes on him. Mm-hmm. And then he goes back and he's like, oh, they're going to let me exchange this money back. Here's the money. And they're like, no, you deal with this your own. The blood is on your hands. Mm-hmm. You deal with it. Mm. Like he had come into agreement with with those who cared nothing about him. Yeah. Because Satan had, had, had an opportunity in his own heart. He had opened his heart to Satan. And so when it talks about Balaam, it's the same thing. He loved the wages of unrighteousness, Mm. the natural gain that it gave him. And when you begin to give yourself to that natural gain, mammon, the Bible would call it, when you give yourself to that, it's hard to get out of. Mm -hmm. You know, I know we throw a lot of aspersions towards a lot of people, but man, if you're in entertainment and you are... And you are doing things that are outside the will of God, and you are receiving the wages of unrighteousness. That's not an easy thing to just say, "No, I'm out," mm-hmm. because you've put all of your eggs in that basket. Like now, your family's involved with it. Now, those people depend on you, and now you've got this car, and you've got this, and you've got to keep up with this, and you've got to keep up this image. And when you no longer have that image, who are you? Mm-hmm. That's a frightening thing. Yeah. Even in an addiction, to give up an addiction when it's become your identity, is a frightening thing because then who are you? Right. It's the same thing with marriage. It's the same thing with anything that you identify with, that when you're no longer that, if that's your identity, then who are you? That's a fearful thing. Yeah. And so when it talks about, you know, the wages of unrighteousness, that's where we have to overlay that. You can't serve that and God at the same time. Mm-hmm. You can't do it. Right. Because your heart will never... the Jesus will never sit on the throne of your life. Exactly. If you love mammon. These are the wells without water, clouds carried by a tempest, for whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. That sounds like a like a Stephen King novel. <laughs> it does. It does indeed. But there's so much here that it's almost a level of sarcasm, even. These are wells without water, 
what is a well for? Well, but it's to draw water. We come to these things. And what does Jesus say? You know, come to me, you find wells of living water. You'll never thirst. These people have nothing to offer. They don't even have dead, dead water to per, per se. And a well without water is a very dark place. Yeah. It's a deep, dark place. Mm-hmm. If you're in a well with no water, there's no hope. Right. There's nothing that these guys really have to offer. There's a structure there. There should be something there. It looks like there is. But when you examine it, when you look at it, there's nothing there. Well, Jesus would have called it um, a whitewashed tomb full of dead men's bones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The appearance of it, but yet inside, it's empty. Mm-hmm. It's dead. Exactly. Verse 18, for when they speak great swelling words of emptiness, mm. they allure through the lust of the flesh. Man, and that that could lean into... Hey, go right ahead and sin. It's okay. Jesus paid for it all. Mm-hmm. That sounds fantastic to your flesh. Mm-hmm. The lust of the flesh through lewdness, the ones who have actually escaped from those who live in error. For when they speak great swelling words of emptiness, they allure through the lust of the flesh, through lewdness, the ones who have actually escaped from those who live in error. And while they promise them liberty, they themselves are slaves of corruption. For by whom a person is overcome, by him also he is brought into bondage. Mm. Wow. Man. So here we have him. He's like in, in getting, bringing this whole aspect. They have nothing. They're, they're, uh, they speak with great swelling words of emptiness. There's no substance here. And it's deceiving. And we talked about this a minute ago. People who are essentially young in their faith, people who are, are just trying to make it, and deceiving them, going, oh, there's liberty, there's freedom in this. And you're bringing them back into bondage to sinful ma- mindsets. You saw this a lot in the late 60s and the early 70s through the hippie culture mm-hmm. and even the early Jesus Revolution movement where people who may have started on a good path and became these leaders, these cult leaders, genuinely now started a cult that was away from God. Mm. And 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 then it became about mantras. Mm. Empty words. Mm-hmm. It's a mantra. You know, it's a, a greetings, you know, <laughs> whatever it is, man. <laughs> you know, you can see examples of all of that stuff. You know, right. God has not called us to to entice people with, with man's wisdom, words of man's wisdom. You know, Paul said, I didn't come to you with enticing words of man's wisdom, but power and demonstration of the Holy Ghost. Mm-hmm. And Paul could have spoken thousands of enticing words, Mm -hmm. highly educated man. But he realized that that's not where the transformation was. He was no longer Saul. He was Paul. Mm -hmm. And now what he did, he didn't want to be ascribed to the enticing words. Mm -hmm. He wanted it to be ascribed to the Lord Jesus, which was through the power of the Holy Spirit. Right. Yeah. And Peter here, he's he's bringing that whole aspect also. He's like, look, there's more than these empty words that's that's out there for God has given these. The prophets of old from the Old Testament— brought life-giving prophecies, these these prophets, these false prophets here, they're all empty. There's no weight to it. And Peter's trying to call out what's taking place here because he sees this emptiness is it's a it's creating a cavern that is killing people spiritually. For if, after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome, the latter end is worse for them than the beginning. 
For it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it to turn away from the holy commandment delivered to them. Mm. But it has happened to them, according to the true proverb, a dog returns to his own vomit, and a sow having washed to her wallowing in the mire. So Peter's kind of wrapping up this portion of things and he's warning them that you know with a beautiful feel-good <laughs> scripture yeah exactly <laughs> he's quoting he's quoting two things he's quoting the actual biblical proverb 26 proverbs 26 11 yep and also a cultural proverb it's not in the scriptures uh but the actual biblical one is as a dog returns to its vomit so a fool repeats his foolishness and uh, if you read the proverbs a fool is a person who is away from god they're a person who um, that they have, they've. It's not that they don't know, but they have willfully ignored. Yeah, they're it. not a court jester. Yeah, and so here he's warning them. He's like, it's better for this person who who knew the Lord to not not even know the Lord at first and do all these crazy things because then there's more grace. There's an abundance of grace for that individual. Now you're being held accountable because what you've done or what these people have done. It's not just a matter that they have walked away from the Lord. But and then the Bible talks about this, or Jesus talks about this in Matthew about I think it's Matthew deceiving the little ones, deceiving those who are young in the faith, deceiving people, helping them to walk away from the Lord. There's a lot of condemnation and judgment comes upon that individual who helps people walk away from the Lord. There are um, currently there are a lot of leaders who are doing just that. Mm. They are whether it's cultural appropriation, whether it is. Um, progressivism, whether it is whatever term you want to label it, mm-hmm. they are leading young people by the thousands mm-hmm. away from Jesus mm-hmm. with a sound good, uh, behavior-affirming... I'm not going to call it a gospel because it's not. I don't even know the words I'm looking for. Mm. But it is a it is a behavior affirming teaching mm-hmm. that is leading them away from Jesus. Yeah. Not to him. Mm-hmm. Somebody affirming my behavior, although it may make my flesh feel good, does the opposite for my spirit. Yeah. Because that which affirms my flesh is not of the Spirit. Mm-hmm. And if it's not of the Spirit, then it's not pointing me to Jesus. Right. So anyone who would look at me and affirm an ungodly behavior pattern in my life mm-hmm. does not love me. Yeah. They don't love me mm-hmm. with agape love. Yeah. They may lust for what I can give them mm-hmm. by following them, but they don't love me right. by affirming my behavior. Yeah. Affirming behavior is not love. Yeah. Uh, affirming bad behavior in my girls, was, it's not love. It may seem like it's the easiest thing as a parent, but in the long run, it's not the easiest thing. It's the hardest thing. Absolutely. Because then you'll have to try to undo what you allowed to be done as an adult, which is worse. Yeah. Like, raise up a young man to be a man of God. Why? 
Well, because at 38, you don't want to be trying to raise an eight-year-old to try to teach him how to be a man of God at 38. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it boggles the mind. It's like we've, we've just created this culture, and it's seeped into the church and the body of Christ of a lack of responsibility on, on leaders, the spiritually mature, and the spiritually immature, of responsibility with what God has given us. And these people forgot that mm-hmm. or just dismissed it mm-hmm. because they were more in tune with what they wanted mm-hmm. rather than what the Lord wanted. Yeah. And and when it, you know, when it says a dog returns to the old vomit, it says a sow having washed who are wallowing in the mire. Well, you can wash a sow all you want, but the nature of a sow is to get dirty. That's the nature. And unless a sow is transformed, and we know that the only way a sow is transformed is in a skillet (laughs) or on a grill (laughs) or on a smoker, (laughs) like a sow is going to go to that pit, man. I can remember my cousin, um, my aunt just passed away recently, and her and my Uncle Joe had a farm. They had a farm, and man, I can always remember Uncle Joe, he had a a farm had always had the de, de, the decab. The decab had the wings uh, for the feed store, and it was decab. And he had that bent, you know, uh, front on that hat. And um, we would go out to their farm, and uh, they had this giant, I mean, huge pig, and her name was Margaret. Mm. And this pig would eat everything. <laughs> so we were out in the yard, and we we're playing. And somebody threw a tennis ball over the barn, and it went into the pen. Mm-hmm. So we run over there, and Margaret has this ten- tennis ball, and she is just, boom, gone. Tennis ball is <laughs> gone. She eats it. And so then it was like everything that went in that pen, she ate it. Why? Because she's a pig. Right. Well, given to our own devices, everything that's thrown in that pen, we will eventually do it. If it sows to the flesh, mm. we will do it. And that's why we don't sow to the flesh. We don't, we don't allow ourselves to be in that pen. We don't sow to the flesh. We sow to the Spirit. How do we sow to the Spirit? Jesus has to be the center. He has to be the Lord of our life. He has to be on the throne of our heart. We need to have an active living relationship with Him every day. We need to read the Word of God every day. We need to pray. We need to seek His face. We need to fast. We need to be in biblical community. We need to be in biblical fellowship. Mm. We need to be in biblical praying praying together. We need to be feasting together. We need to be doing all these things together because we are sowing to the Spirit. And when we sow to the Spirit, then it leaves no room for the flesh. Mm. And when it leaves no room for the flesh, then we do not become these people. Right. And we also do not become deceived Mm. by these people. Right. And I think it's a... We are in such need right now of humility and responsibility in the kingdom of God Mm. to humble ourselves before the Lord, to make sure that we have people in our life that can tell us no. Yeah. Like these people refused to surround themselves with people who would say no. And as leaders, I know. It's easier not to say no. Mm-hmm. You think it is. But you're going to reap, not the benefits, but you're going to reap the fruit 
of not being able to say no. It may have been easier in the moment, but it's going to be harder later. Yeah. Because you're going to undo it because you're going to have to look at that person and go, I'm sorry, I should have said no. Yeah. Well, why didn't you? Because I wanted it to be easier on me. Mm -hmm. Selfish. And that's exactly where those people got. They, they didn't surround themselves. They didn't allow any kind of authority in their life. Mm -hmm. They didn't allow anybody to come into their life and say no. Yeah. And any leader in the kingdom of God shouldn't just put older, more mature people around them, but they should put a team of people around them, even that are younger and have a different point of view, that can be like, ah, you may want to think about this, or you may want to think about that. It doesn't mean it's it's a no. Right. It just means because listen, if you're spiritually immature, don't think you can just walk up to your mentor and be like, "No, you can't do that." Well, that's a rebellion. Yeah. Can I can I share a story? Which of, is actually what these people are doing too. I want to share a story, kind of inside baseball here at the Healing Place. Um, a couple of years ago, God gave us a, a vision for an event that we ended up calling Thursdays at THP, and the original vocabulary that was presented was um, Thirsty Thursdays. And <laughs> we, I remember that. <laughs> we, yeah. were, we were in a staff meeting, and, um, and uh, Dana, myself, and Jaron were, were looking at you and, and Pastor Matt going, okay. And so I, I, I finally bit the bullet. It's like, are we sure we're sold on this? And we're like, yeah, 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 absolutely. I was like, we need you to understand, as young individuals, Thirsty Thursday had some very negative connotations, <laughs> and um, and um, fortunately, um, uh, you and and Matt are individuals who are willing to to listen, and and that was what I appreciate is you guys weren't automatically oh okay well, we'll just deep six it you guys you you guys took it in and you examined it as leaders, and you you heard some other cultural stuff and you're like okay yeah we're gonna make a change right and that's the thing is for for leaders who are maybe younger and you're serving other people. Um, don't take the initial uh, as as a discouragement. You have to think about things, you, right? Because we're talking about paradigm shifting. We're talking about you. You've been in ministry for for X amount of years. You are nearly well at the time. You're about forty eight years old, and you know what the Lord is saying. And the Lord was saying, "This is an event we need to do." That's right. But you know, you have to take things into account. And as a young leader, I have to go. Okay, let me present what hits here. And I had to accept you going, no, we're doing this, and we'll just write it out <laughs> regardless right. of what happens. But I had to allow you the time to go, let me process what's taking place here. And there, and so there's a balance here of, of uh, older leaders going, yes, absolutely, I see what you're saying. And your earlier is going, allowing that process to take place. Yeah, because ultimately the feedback or the fallout's not coming on you. Right. It's coming on me. Exactly. Even if you guys made a decision, <laughs> the fallout's coming on me. Yeah. And so that's where the leader has to assume that responsibility yeah. and know that going in. You guys know me. If I come to a meeting and I go, all right, I want your thoughts on this. I'm not telling you guys I know exactly what we're going to do, mm -hmm. and I just want to hear your voice. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you, I'm not quite sure. Let's talk this thing out. Right. But if I come in the room and I go, here's what we're doing, you guys know, listen, I may get no – I may get – to give no feedback in this situation mm -hmm. because this is what we're doing. Right Now, normally when I say this is what we're doing, I follow it up with, now how do we work this out? Right. And then that's where the crux of it comes in where you guys are like, hey, I think this will work. I think this will work. I think more logistical stuff a lot mm -hmm. of times than it is deep spiritual stuff. Right, right, right. 
Because normally what ends up happening is I come to you guys and I'm like, here's what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. Right. Big, wide, overreaching. Mm -hmm. And then you guys come in and go, okay, this goes here, this goes here, this goes here, right. and this goes here. Yeah. And it's kind of the same thing even with the messages a lot of times. It's like, you know, there are some places where it is like, this is the message, and when you speak it, you're speaking this message. Mm-hmm. You don't add any of your own flavor at all. Mm -hmm. Then there are other places that are like, oh, no, just fire it off. Do whatever you want. Right. doesn't matter that we've been in the stream for three <laughs> weeks and this is what the Lord is saying. Just fire something off. Right. Well, we're kind of in the middle right. where I will give you guys an overreaching thing of, hey, here's where we're going. Here's what the Lord is saying, whether it's a common scripture, like our 21 to Breakthrough has been Micah, whether it's a common scripture or whether it is a, a very loose outline and going, Take this, hear what the Lord is saying to you, and make this yours. A great example is on Wednesday nights. Again, this is the reason why we encourage people to be here at the Healing Place. Wednesdays, we went through a series of um, how's your heart? And we asked this question, how's your faith? How's your heart? How's your, your fight? And all these other things. And you said, all right, here's the topics. This is where we're going. This is the vein. You guys know where we're at with this. You teach this. You yep. do this. And that again, that's the whole give and pull of leadership. And to kind of tie it back to this, um, I see a community here where perhaps these were individuals who they were in a environment where they were given the liberty to teach. And this is the early church. They're figuring stuff out, but they didn't allow leadership to come in and go, Hey, let me direct you or leadership didn't want to do that. And that's the danger. That's the, that's the kind of the twofold thing. If I can encourage the church to on what, how to guard ourselves from this, it's a leaders be willing to be guided but leaders, be willing to guide. Mm -hmm. Be willing to guide those small groups. Be willing to go, hey, uh, young leader, I appreciate the passion that you have here, but let me let me show you a better way. And then young leaders going, oh, man, I yeah, I, I almost bit that. That was almost bad. Or going, well, I, I was really wrong, and I shouldn't have done that. Yeah, and Peter showed clearly that these people were subversive. Mm -hmm. They were doing things in secret. They were away from the Lord. Mm -hmm. They had terrible motives. They were unclean mm -hmm. in their thoughts, their feelings, their hearts, everything. Mm -hmm. And and in that, again, don't immediately think of this person, this person, this person. It's right. like, no. It's like, I want to make sure I don't become that. And then I also want to make sure that I'm not deceived by that. Mm -hmm. And again, just because somebody corrects you or just because somebody is like, you know, just because you look at somebody and go, oh, they're the leader. Well, that doesn't mean that they're they're – they're out of the will of God. It doesn't right. mean they're like, if somebody's called a pastor, that doesn't mean, listen, that here, you know, that's not our construct isn't, oh, we got to have all these titles and everything. But when it all comes down to it, I'm the lead pastor of the healing place. Exactly. Not because I have to have a title, but that's what our that's what our our documents lay out. <laughs> that's our structure. This person is going to be the leader. <laughs> like this person is going to be responsible for pretty much everything that happens here. This person. Mm -hmm. And, and their name is going to be on everything, and then there's going to be a, a, a group of elders who are going to come alongside that person, and they're going to make decisions as we move forward of what God is saying to us. Mm -hmm. And as that happens, that's where we're all going. Exactly. And if that's not happening, then somebody's out of whack. Yeah. And when those things get out of whack, that's where you start seeing the, those behavior patterns mm -hmm. begin to any time... Somebody who wants to deceive sees a little bit of a crack 
That's why it's so important for to be on the same page. Exactly. It's why it's so important that the 120 that we're in the upper room, we're in one mind mm -hmm. and one accord. Mm -hmm. So that no one could sow seeds of discord among them as right. the church was being birthed onto the earth. Yeah. The one of the um during the time frame at our church where we didn't have a lead pastor, um, it was it was an interesting time frame. Uh, we went nine months without a lead pastor. And uh, this is during this time frame where I came on as our kids' pastor um, shortly before uh, you came on as, uh, as our lead pastor. But I remember talking to Matt, and he was like, hey, we're, we're structuring some stuff up. And um, what we've decided is basically I was going to directly answer to Matt. He goes, because you don't need to be answering a three-headed giant. And that is, a, that is where things get out of whack because there are three different people talking and maybe with some good intentions. And in some people, they will take advantage of that situation. Yep. And that's where those cracks start to take place. And they go, well, he says this, he says that, he says, let me slide in between. And then we have the subversion taking place. Yep. And so it was a guardrail. And that's why we have to be on one heart, one mind accord. But we also need one voice. We need to be saying the same thing. We spent six months talking about be no do in presence, in the presence of God's people. Why? So that we're all speaking the same language. So there was no crack. We go, these are our guardrails as the healing place. Yep. So we can function and help people appropriately and to keep ignorance from happening. And it's just like Sunday morning, you know, uh, a ways back is like or recently where, and that was a tragedy on a Sunday morning. Mm -hmm. And we had a plan. We had everything in place. Mm -hmm. But when I arrived here um, late, because of that tragedy, in my heart I was like, "No, this is this is not the message today. Mm -hmm. This is not where we're going." You couldn't make that call. No, I wasn't going to. <laughs> Matt couldn't make that call. Rick couldn't make that call. Tanya couldn't make that call. Nobody could make that call. Mm -mm. That call had to be mine. Yeah, and making that call and knowing that I don't even know what I'm going to say, mm -hmm. and like. Probably seven minutes. It was like seven minutes before I got on the platform. Eight minutes before I got on the platform. Romans 12. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm going to talk about. <laughs> and that's where us as leaders who are serving, we have to be in, in sync with you to go, we trust you. We're going to roll with you on this. And, and that's a sign of healthy leadership. Not a blind following, but we go, that's we right. know you. That's right. You're our pastor. and We know that what you put in. And, and we know you're not going to just go left field for fun and games. Yeah, right. Because some people do that sometimes. Um, some people do it because they haven't prepared. They have, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm just going to listen to the Holy Ghost. Yeah. No, yeah. you were being lazy. I was listening to the Holy Spirit with some tests in college. It didn't work out too well for me. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> so, but that is a that's an aspect. That's where gaps happen. Yep. And so there's this whole thing of trusting leadership, being prepared ourselves. And this is, this is one of the sad parts. Uh, I feel like we're, we're starting to go on a trail. One of the sad parts for this, what I'm seeing here is you had people who they were trusting leadership, but that they had not prepared themselves appropriately also. Well, number one, they got their eyes off the Lord. And then everything else fell apart after that. Once, exactly. once you get your eyes off the Lord and he's no longer the Lord, genuinely the Lord of your heart, then all these other things will follow. Exactly. exactly. All right. Well, guys, we want to hear from you. What did you get out of this? How has this encouraged you? How has it challenged you? How can we pray with you? How can we encourage you? Reach out to us, mediahub at teachfishreport.com.
midweekmove.com. And don't forget to check out our Facebook page, Midweek Move, where you can find this podcast and other things. So until next time, have a great week. Thank you.